We usually expect too much from other people. Deep down inside, we know that we shouldn't do that, but we do it anyway. Children, for example, expect their parents to be perfect, but there are no perfect planet parents on the planet. A man expects his wife to fulfill his life in every way. A woman expects the same of her husband, but it doesn't happen. Indeed, it cannot happen. We expect professional athletes to be great role models for children, but as we've all discovered in recent years, that's a very unrealistic expectation. We expect to be understood. We expect to be understood by the people that we love, but that doesn't always happen. We expect to be forgiven by friends and family members and co-workers when we tell them that we're sorry for hurting them, but sometimes they withhold their forgiveness. This phenomenon, of course, is not peculiar to our era of human history. It's not peculiar to our age. People have always expected too much from others. A perfect example is found in today's Gospel text from Luke 3. John the Baptist, we are told, preaches, teaches, and baptizes the crowds at the Jordan River. And they start to think in their minds and wonder in their hearts whether he might be the Christ. Obviously, they had an unrealistic expectation for John in thinking that he was the Messiah. John immediately recognized this, of course, and he addressed the problem head-on. He said, I am baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In other words, don't expect me to be the Christ, because if you do, you'll be greatly disappointed. The real Messiah is coming, and he's far greater than I am. In fact, I'm not worthy to take care of his footgear. Now here's the real and extremely sad irony, my brothers and sisters. As I've just made clear, we flawed human beings usually expect too much from other people. And yet at the very same time, we expect too little. I would say much too little from Almighty God. Perhaps that's the reason why some of us don't rejoice at this or any other time of the year. Perhaps that's the reason why some of us cannot rejoice. Today we celebrate Gaudete Sunday. It's the Sunday on which the pink candle of our Advent wreath is lit, signifying that we're in the second half of the season and the joy of Christmas is fast approaching. Gaudete in Latin means rejoice. It's a command. It comes to us from the scripture text we had in our second reading today from Philippians 4, where St. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Not sometimes, not just every once in a while, not just on sunny days in June and July, but always. But you see, you can't rejoice in the Lord always or even for a little while unless you have great expectations of God. Neither will you be able to rejoice if you have a lot of unrealistic expectations of God, but that's not a story for another homily. First of all, a distinction needs to be made here between feeling joy and rejoicing. They're not the same thing. The two are easily and often confused. Feeling joy is an emotional response. 
It's an emotional response to something that pleases me. I feel great joy when the Green Bay Packers win a football game. A lot of you feel joy when the Patriots win, or the Giants win, or the Jets, or whatever your favorite team is. That's an emotional response to a stimulus. Rejoicing, on the other hand, is an act of the will. It's a decision. The decision made on the basis of things that we know to be true. I don't feel joy at every moment of my life. I have crosses like everybody else. Sometimes those crosses cause me to feel distress and sadness. And I'm sure I'm not unusual in this. For most people on the planet, that's life. That's the way it is. But regardless of how I'm feeling at any given moment, I can still make the decision to rejoice. That's always a possibility. Now, I don't have to rejoice, that's true. And to be perfectly honest with you, sometimes I don't rejoice in difficult circumstances. But I do have the capability to do that, if I choose to. Now, as I said earlier, choosing to rejoice needs to be based on what we know is true. It needs to be based on the realistic and great expectations we have of God. Ex expectations that are rooted in our Catholic faith. For example, regardless of how I may be feeling on a given day, I can still rejoice. I can still rejoice that Jesus Christ does love me and will continue to love me, even if I sin grievously, grievously in this life, even if I sin against him in that way. Regardless of how I may be feeling on a given day, I can still rejoice that Jesus will forgive me whenever I sincerely repent, and especially when I bring my sins to him in the sacrament of confession. Regardless of how I may be feeling on a given day, I can still rejoice that Jesus will always hear my prayer and respond to it in some way. Regardless of how I may be feeling on a given day, I can always rejoice that Jesus is always there for me in the Holy Eucharist and all the sacraments. Those are some of the things that I can rejoice about even on my worst days. That's because I have great expectations of God. I expect God to always love me. I expect God to forgive me when I repent. That's why he sent his son into this world to die for me. I expect God to supply my needs when I ask him in prayer. Not my wants, but my needs. And I expect Jesus to be there for me every time I receive him in the Eucharist, based on his promises to me in sacred scripture. And here's the really good news, some added good news. Sometimes when you're not feeling so great, but you make the decision to rejoice in the Lord anyway, you end up feeling better, at least a little bit better. When our great expectations of God motivate us to rejoice, Sometimes, sometimes, our emotions follow. Which is an added bonus when it happens. An added bonus for which we should thank God and yet another reason for which we can and for which we should rejoice.